Well, hello, welcome to episode 17 of the One Life Church podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church, but ultimately things that we think could make a difference in your one and only life. My name is Sarah, and I am joined, as always, by our lead pastor, Brett Nicholson. And it is, as always, and I'm fired up about this, and this is going to be great. Yeah, and we're calling this kind of season two of the One Life Church podcast. We did a little preview last week, Brett and I just kind of explain to you guys what we're going to be doing. And this week we are joined on the first episode of season two by our friend and elder here at One Life Church, Mark Weaver. Well, welcome, huh? Yeah. Welcome, Good to Mark. be here. See, Thanks that's for why I'm excited. I know. Yeah. I'm fired up. I'm excited. Mark, um, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us who you are. What do you do? What do I do? Yeah. Like when I get up in the morning yeah. or just... In general. Yeah. Tell me about so Mark. So I've had a uh, career in financial planning. That's been my how I gotten paid or made my way. Uh, certified financial planner. Uh, own a practice, have a couple partners in it uh, in Henderson, Kentucky, and have clients around 16, 17 states. Wow. Um, I lead a growth group of some 30-something-year-old people. The two 40-year-olds in that, I really appreciate that. <laughs> um, wife is Cindy, also also known as Cindy Lou. Uh, I have two sons, and one son, Jesse, has two granddaughters and a lovely wife himself. So, yeah, oh, that's kind of a brief overview. Yeah, and actually your growth group one that you lead, we actually uh, filmed yes. a couple of messages there. And yes. if people remember, one of the main things that people really loved on that message was your socks. Yeah, I probably shouldn't show them those right now. Yeah, we'll not show them on the podcast, okay. but Mark always wears fun socks. But that was the comment because I was out for the whole month, and that was one of the first comments I heard. How things yeah. go? Well, I love that guy's socks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like they, they made an impression. Yeah. I don't know what he said. But uh, yeah. Loved his socks. That's true. And Mark has been around since pre 10 10 10. We need to mm-hmm. know that. He was part of the uh, launch team, original launch team, and has been a part of the elders since the very beginning, has taught on numerous occasions, does all kinds of things, and has been a mentor to many of us. That, that's why I say I'm excited because Mark has this mentoring relationship with a number of us around here, and God has used him to um, encourage us and instruct us and challenge us and help us, and I think he's going to do that today. Oh, well, yeah. we'll, we'll find out. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited, and you know, we always look forward to to time with Mark, so it's always good to get you in this kind of uh, this kind of uh, environment where we can have kind of dialogue back and forth. So we're excited about that. And also, Mark, you're you're an author. You've written a book here, oh, yeah. sitting on the table. If you're watching on YouTube or on the One Life app, um, you guys can check that out. But the, can you tell me a little bit about your book? Hmm. Just. Yeah, just in general, tell us a little bit. She didn't even give a title, so you can no, start I, there. I, I know. Like, I, me, I, I wish I'd paid better attention in Vacation Bible School. Yeah. And as our buddy Bob Seymour. Another elder here said, Weaver, you wish you'd paid attention in the first grade and the second grade and the third grade and the fourth grade. So so coming from an attention deficit hyperactivity, if you notice, I can't sit still either. So a guy, I just, I wanted to get into something that was allowed people to see the gospel from both the child's eyes and the father's eyes. And, and so it's just getting through a lot of the things that I think people have kind of piled up from a religious point of view, kind of getting through that to the bottom of what really matters is that uh, God loves you. That's uh, And what does it mean to live in his love? There's a lot of different things in the book. Uh, a few of them are things that actually happen to me, mm-hmm. but most all of it's fiction. Yeah. Based on a few characters that I grew up with along the way. Most all of it is, is fiction, so we can try to go through there and sort out good and luck. wonder which okay, which one's true, which one's not. Okay, that's yeah. good. That's a good way to search out the book. Yeah, the the uh, the redeemed, restored, and repurposed the the story about the Coke bottles that that did happen. 
Okay, so he gives a gotcha. little hint on which that's one right. was real. That's right. We got to figure we're out good. the rest. Now, it, was there something that originally prompted that? It was like years ago, and all of a sudden you thought, I've, what, what brought that book to your mind? I've got a book in my head, and, here, and it came because of this. Yeah, it, it's been about, I can't, I can't really remember. It was about 13 or 14 years ago, I just got the idea like that. And, and the idea came from uh, one of those, I, I think it was a, a face plant, a spiritual face plant, and I'd been trying hard or working hard and thought, you know, it's just not this, this Christian life isn't supposed to be about being better and trying harder and those types of things. It's got to be something more. And, and so it was just kind of like, no, it's simple, red and yellow, black and white. We're all precious in the sight. And so that was the thing that came to me. And I'm thinking, wow, wish I paid better attention to vacation Bible school. Probably got all the lessons there I really needed. So, so when it comes down to it, and it's just a fundamental basis, that's, that's where the idea came from. It took a long time to start writing the book. Mm. Yeah. Right. How long ago did you start write, writing it? Eh, about four or four years ago, I really started writing it. That came easy. Yeah? Right. Editing and, and then editing <laughs> Then editing and then editing and <laughs> was it was this someone else coaching you through it? Do you oh, have an editor that yeah. kept sending you red ink yeah. back? I, I I I did have some of that, but it was probably no, it wasn't probably. It was Jeremy Seacrest, mm. one of our local one lifers that kept encouraging me and finding things that the editors at the publisher didn't and seeing things that I just never would have seen and even the professionals didn't catch. So so he was a big part of me even finishing that book period. Now, if, if you were promoting this outward, which I guess we are doing that, and yeah. it's, that wasn't the original intention, right. but then again, at the same time, we'd love for people to read it. So how would you describe kind of your perfect reader or perfect buyer of the book to get this? Like who would that person be? Yeah, that, that's perfect interesting. Audience. I got a, um, a, a, a young lady had bought the book and gave it to her mom. And her term for her mom was, mom's been on the fence for years. Meaning on the fence of faith, you know, right. am I going to believe or not? Am I going to believe or not? She said it was one thing that tipped her. So, so it's, it, it's again, getting back down to the basics and the simplicity and a sense of the love of God. So that's what people really want to know. Am I loved? What does that mean? And what difference I can make in my life? Yeah. So if that's what you happen to be struggling with or wonder mm -hmm. about, then, then you should get that. And mm -hmm. I assume that you can get that on Amazon. And we have a hard copy here. So where's that available? We I've seen it at here. our One Life lobby. Yeah, we have we them. Uh, have them at the East. Can I go to Barnes & Noble and get one yes. or a vineyard or someplace like yes. that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's, they're supposed to be there. And then, <laughs> Hopefully they sold out. Right? I'll, yeah, I'll, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, they won't be. It's, I'll have a link in the descriptions for the okay. videos or for the podcast, wherever you're listening or watching today, you can click on it right there and, mm -hmm. and find it right there on Amazon. So it's pretty awesome. And then also it's some pretty cool illustrations in it as you well. Think? Yeah. They're really neat. I mean, all throughout the book, the covers is, uh, is great, but all throughout the book, you've got these amazing yeah. illustrations. The book has pictures. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's another hey. perfect audience it, thing. If you need pictures, which we all do, the nerd. Funny, you should pick up on that. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. right. I need pictures. Now, Ben Wade, um, which is Brett's uh, Brett's wife's Krista, brother's son. We call him nephews. We call him nephews. Kentucky. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if I don't you want to go, you if you want a shortcut it, yeah, yeah, it's called a nephew. Yeah. Uh, he did the illustrations, and I've said this so many times. Literally, you could buy the book. It's worth this illustrations. Yeah. Especially if you can't read. 
I mean, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, just yeah. think about that. No, it, it's very true. He's, he's super gifted. He's an art teacher out in LA now. And uh, oh, for wow. some who are one lifers, you may remember, we have shown a video piece a number of times in our, uh, that we did on the resurrection evidences for the resurrection mm-hmm. with this fast motion cartoon yeah. thing. Well, that was Ben. And yeah. so, and Ben also helped with the, and, and he's done some other things locally as well, but it just does a neat, very distinctive uh, work with its cartoons, but it's very sophisticated yeah. in its own interesting way. We've got a lot. Of, it's very whimsical. At the same and, time. and this, is, that's what's yeah. neat. This is unique to this book. So, from a branding and going forward, I mean, I will continue to use Ben to do those. That's it's, it's, it's actually pretty cool. When you when you start writing a book, um, are you do you write it with like pen and paper? Are you typing it? Like, what's the most comfortable way for you to kind nah, of? Nah, just I did it on computer. Computer. Because yeah, because the the chapters and everything actually flowed really really quickly. Mm-hmm. They did. The hard part was the wordsmithing and then the editing that goes along with that, which they're not exactly the the same thing. Well, cool. And kind of as we transition over, talking about the series that we just started um, called Build. And yep. the, the tagline is changing the storyline of your city. We're very excited about that here at One Life. And um, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that message from this past weekend, you can go to onelifechurch.org and click messages or just hit messages on the One Life app and listen right there and kind of get caught up. But um, Brett, can you kind of give us first an overview of the series, the purpose of the series, why we're doing it, and then a little bit about um, your message from yesterday? Uh, the reason we're doing it is because we've said for a long time, this was an idea we got about a year into our run as a church. Uh, we had been exposed to some ideas where uh, we heard the Line, don't just build a great church, build a great city. And that just resonated with all of us. Like we, we knew we wanted to be very outreach oriented. We wanted to be very mission oriented and outward focused, but that just gave definition to it on a whole different level. Not only reaching people for Christ with the gospel, which is obviously our first priority, but also coming into the community and being contributors and uh, really helping build a place where we all live. Now it also coincided or we could live and thrive. It coincided with Evansville made the uh, miserable cities list. And it was right around that same time. And so I remember there was just sort of this thing, this, uh, I call it, you know, a target on the wall, the locker room kind of deal. We're not that, and we're not going to be that. And we're going to do whatever we can to change that. And so it's kind of giving the biblical basis for that idea. My goal is that everybody will have a get it factor. What does it mean to build a great city? And then also see themselves in it from their vocation to their family, to their neighborhood, to loving the person across the street and loving uh, education, the arts, how it all works as expressions of king of the kingdom of God. And so hopefully by the end, and we'll explain it well enough that you'll go, wow, I get it. And also here's what I think God wants to use me uh, to build a great city. And in the meantime, build a great life because that's what we're also talking about because great lives are built uh, great cities are built from great lives wow and that's that's great that's the summary you, you thought that was great yeah. really i think yeah, we go home good. yeah is that right I mean, <laughs> that's, you don't that's, want to be that's part of it now i don't after. know what's wrong yeah, with that's you. right um and then so yesterday you, you kind of started with this idea of if all that's true we need to start with a foundation right. and and kind of you have a definition of that I actually had it um what do you remember it off the top of your head because i had it pulled up and i don't have it in front of it me. says a foundation i found this from a literally a building website where i was trying to learn about how they build houses i was just curious because i love the metaphor we're going to use the metaphor building throughout and uh he said a building a, a foundation is by definition the load bearing portion of the structure uh often or most often underground so it's the thing that people don't see, but it is the thing that, and I love that term load bearing mm-hmm. because it's exactly what it is. Cause, and we're going to talk about this this coming week 
Jesus said, you know, the storm, his very famous thing where he says, if you build your house, the storms come and one crashes, one stands. It's that idea. What causes a house to be able to bear the load versus not? And that's, uh, you know, obviously an illustration for life itself. So that's why we started there, just starting with the individual life. Are you built on a foundation that can stand as the floods come? Uh, the language, I'm more talking about this coming week than I am uh, this past, but uh, the language that he used in the NAS is, and the wind slammed against that house. I just love that. Mm. It slammed against that house and it fell or it stood, that kind of stuff. Nice. So. And when we were talking about the podcast for uh, after this message, Brett said, he goes, Mark, it'd be really great to have on for this one specifically. And so we got Mark on, which so is pretty exciting. We did. That's right. We yeah. to, because to I, told, I talked about the mentor role he's had, and, and that is very much what he's done. Is uh, He's been great in my own life of being a coach to – because when we first met, I was going through a personal crisis, actually, mm-hmm. uh, when uh, we were thinking about building one life. And it, on one hand, it was exciting. On the other hand, it was like the, <laughs> one of the worst years of my life. It was terrible. And so he immediately came in as kind of a co- a foundation coach mm-hmm. uh, to help with those storms and that uh, the wind slamming against. And so uh, Mark's got a lot of insight on that kind of thing. You remember you're not crazy. Oh yeah, that's right. That was one of the greatest gifts he ever gave me. I, we were come, came into his house and just unloaded some things I was struggling with, and he said, "Well, I can tell you, you're not crazy." And man, that was some of the best news I'd ever heard because I wasn't sure. I yeah. was like, "Thank you very, very much." What's real and what's not? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's good. Uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of, that is why Mark's here to just kind of coach us through some of those things that we talked about practically uh, yesterday, and we started with the individual soul. Just how is your life founded? Yeah, and um, I guess the, some some topics that we have on our huddle, uh, which is what we our groups and our teams use to kind of connect and, and have discussion around. Um, as we're talking about foundation, you know, one of the things that just we all have things in our life that serve as our foundation. And I think you kind of even talked about that. Like, you know, sometimes we don't even know what they are. We don't want to say what they are. But what what are kind of common foundations that you guys think people in our society typically, typically build their lives on? Oh, <laughs> And that, that's a that's a great question. I can I can look at some of my BC life and some of my life growing uh, even in even with Christ. I would say that fear, which that sounds like an odd thing to build your life on, but I think most people react to fear in their life, whether it's fear of failure or fear of not being accepted or fear of not being enough or those types of things. So it sounds like an odd thing to say that you're building on fear, but but fear is the driver in, in a lot of things. I think the other thing is um, uh, fortune, fame. Mm. Those are pretty kind of obvious. Um, I, I think in, in all of it, and of course anybody that's listened to me before probably knows that I'll always get back around to identity. And, and so often it's, it's, uh, they're, they're building on trying to have their own identity instead of realizing their identity comes from being a son or a daughter of, of the father. And so um, I don't know if I'm getting where I'm wanting to go with this, but so if I'm trying to make myself look better in some way, I'm trying to fake my identity or make my identity something other than what it really is. So, so, so I, that's what I found, and I've tried that in my own life, and it really doesn't work very well. I don't <laughs> recommend it. Um, Any time again that we are trying to find our identity, we are building on something other than 
Christ other than some someone that will be lasting. Does that? I don't know. I yeah, s- I sound like I talked some in circles on that. No, I brought anything. Did you, you feel like you talked in circles? I no, didn't. I didn't I don't, think I don't, you feel like I don't think so. talked right. in circles at all. No, I didn't know if there's anything you would add, kind of to that uh, or not add, but like I, I, I think it's more. Yeah, it, it would be more of a question of. If you feel like you're doing that, and maybe some people just kind of go in and out uh, of that kind of thing sometimes, yeah, my identity's resting in Christ. Uh, but today, <laughs> and but then another day, my identity may, because we're so identified with our careers or our oh, yeah. status as a family or how many figures we're pulling down when it comes to our fortune. It is, there's all those things. What are some of the key things that you think helped you uh, as you were kind of grappling with that issue? Um, that you can use as a corrective to kind of get off looking for fortune or f- to my fears or whatever else. Uh, does that make sense to ask? I, yeah. I'm just kind of. It, it, it does, and yeah, I uh, I thought I had this thought the other day. I said, you know, if pain is such a good teacher, I must not be a very good student. Um, you'd think I've, I've had so many painful experiences in my life, and that doesn't sound real encouraging to anybody, but. Right but kind of that severe mercy thing. So for me, for me, it's usually when I finally find myself either beating my head against the wall <laughs> or, as I say, a, a merciful face plant, just kind of where God comes in and just busts you and says, you know, this, you know, this just really isn't working. And it's usually because I'm working it instead of surrendering and let him be all things to me and through me. Um only when I can do that uh, do I really feel like I live in the full identity of, of, of who I am in him. But let me, okay, so Go say I'm not in a painful place right now, which okay. today I'm not personally, but, uh, but anybody, I'm not in a painful place. I haven't face planted. Is there a way I can get there without face planting? Because I'd want to like give me a book to study, give me a thought, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or am I just going to have to face plant? I nah. mean, is there a way to transfer over my uh, that sense of foundation you, to another you know, thing? I th- that, that's that's fair. I, I think I think for what what if I would go back and I don't want to. Yeah, let me just say it a different way. I think there have been some very seismic shifts in his forming in me. And so those were more what I was speaking about. However, um, I like the scripture where Paul says, I've learned to be content. You know, I read that how many? 50, 60, 100 times in my life until finally I read in there he said he learned to be content. So, so Brett, I think a lot of it is, is something that we finally learn, not just as truth, but... I started learning to identify the lies, if that hmm. makes any sense, of the enemy and just stop believing them. You know, those, whether they be the thoughts or the whatever the world may try to tell me I need to be, which isn't true. Um, so, so for me, it's, it's been something that I have, I have learned to identify. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's funny you should say that because in the in the message yesterday, I finished it up with that passage, and I was talking about yeah. you know although I can do all things through Him who gives me strength, it is very commonly used, uh, and, and I don't say it's I, I didn't say it was used wrong, but I said it was used incomplete uh, mm. because his the context when you just read it in the paragraph is, I know what it is to have plenty, I know what it is to have want, I know what it is to be doing great and not so great. 
I can do all things. But he does say that line, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. So, And I wish I could have parked on that, but it just wasn't uh, what we were able to do. But what? how have you learned besides the face plant? There's been some other things that really taught that contentment as you look over the shoulder of your life. You thought, man, it might have been something somebody said, a book you read, or mm. um, relationship you had. It could have been anything. Yeah. There've been there've been lots of things. There've been uh, a couple authors, Andrew Murray. Uh, there's a, a Bible teacher, Bob Warren, does a great Ephesians and Roman studies. Uh, so as far as just reading, um, yeah, Major Ian Thomas uh, again. So I think about authors. I like to read a lot, and so uh, I think Major Ian Thomas. Major Ian. I was Thomas. tracking with you to that one. I, I feel yeah. bad. I'm going to show my ignorance that I. Yeah. You read a lot of Sarah. You read a lot of Major <laughs> Ian Thomas. It's right up there. You it's read on his my blog. List. I mean, yeah. he's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Does and, he and, write a blog? Or yeah. Oh, if he's called by that name, is he from maybe another century? It may be. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. Look this up right kind of, now. Kind of Look, Okay. Yeah, no, Andrew Murray. Uh, he was from the 1800s. Or, yeah, or late, he died in early 1900s. Oh, yeah. Ian Thomas. Ian. I, yeah. I thought yeah. you were saying E-N. I-A-N. <laughs> Does that help any? I got it <laughs> Probably now. not. That's right. I-A-N. I like <laughs> we were talking about accents earlier. Yeah. yeah. He, he passed away in so major. So that's authors yeah. that have kind of helped yeah. kind of cross that bridge. Yeah. Um, uh, I, th- I think, too, though, I, again, going back to identity, resting, finding what it really means to be a, to be at a Sabbath rest, uh, resting in who Christ is and and what He does through me. And it's uh, I I just I, I don't know who said this. I read it recently. I don't know who said it, but it says, you know, Scripture teaches us that we are transformed spiritually, not automatically. Yeah. And, and and so as you're sitting here talking about that, it's been a lot of different things. And I know, and you've Sarah, you've heard me say before. You know, I I have a hard time formalizing any of that because right. really it comes down to a surrender and dependence upon Him. And then you say, well, how do you do that, right? Well, and I would add, I mean, as you were talking about Mark and his impact in your life, I mean, and even you guys made a joke of like, you're not crazy, like saying that. I mean, I think in that same context, another thing with just being in community with people, being able to tell your story and having someone look at you and saying, you're not crazy. I mean, that helps anyone, I would think for me personally, to build a foundation of knowing that what I'm doing, you know, or how I'm living, you know, maybe... Sorry about that. Did you do that on purpose? No. What's <laughs> funny is no one else can hear it, but just in our ears, my phone rang on my computer. Oh, so okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess well, that was not a point I should have made. You know, I just... <laughs> well, uh, what what got me in the message, and I've, you know, God really used the book of Philippians last summer for me just to transition me as far as just, I was at one of those spots where I really wanted to hear from him in a special way and use the whole, I just sat and just had one read of that whole book from beginning to end. And there was something mm-hmm. about it that surfaced a number of things, but the one that really hit me was that picture that I was talking about in the message where literally you have a person who's on house arrest and any day, any time, any moment, someone could come in and say, you're free to go or you're free to be killed. And that's it. And then his response to that, just the more I think about it, blows me away because that's where he's talking about I'm torn between the two. And I don't, because it was very real to him. A lot of us say, well, I'd love to go on see the Lord, you know, but he was living inside of that. And that's what gave his contentment. And so to me, to live as Christ, to die is gain has become like the life defining line. Mm. I want to, I want to be the true 
statement of my life where it's sincere. You can tell he's writing a sincere thing. I know I'm supposed to say that, but I don't know how sincere I can be. Mm. The highest gain, you know. So I guess uh, in that view, and if you put yourself in that situation where where all of us would be like, oh, please say I, I get to go free. Oh, please say I get to go free. How do you get to that place where you really are just like, you know what? Either option, I'm good. I'm. It's all good. And that is, speaks a level of maturity that I, I kind of look up at the high that that high mountain and go, wow, mm. uh, is there anything I can do today to kind of <laughs> start moving towards that attitude? Oh. A way I can hold my mouth? Is there a way I can? <laughs> Are you asking <laughs> me? Yes, I am. You're, wow. you're the yeah. You're the. Um, that, you know that you you already know that's that's a tough one. Um, I have I have come across people that would that have been in so much pain and have had such hard lives that they could probably say anything's better than this. Right. right. So so I think he was part of that. I mean, he that was part of what his circumstances were. Right. But that's still not what he's saying. And so. I don't think. And there's a joyful feeling in it. I mean, he's in the whole book, you know, because the the paragraph opens with, I rejoice. And he's famous for saying that throughout the book. So rejoice. what kinds of, how should we be processing life that leads to developing that kind of attitude? Kind of going back to just how do I filter things? I, I think anytime we don't filter things, through an eternal view, we're missing reality. That sounds like a head tilt, I guess, for some people. But if I don't, if I don't filter most everything in my life through, okay, what's this on an eternal basis? What is this on a building the kingdom basis? What difference is this going to make? If I don't do that, well, I won't. I won't live content, and I won't live profitably. Um, so I, I don't know if that answers it any. Uh, I, I can look at you today and say I'm ready to go, right? But I don't really think it's time. I don't know if that makes any sense either. Right. But I, I mean, I'm, not, I'm ready to get out of here. I'm ready to die. But oh man, I'm okay if I do. <laughs> Yeah. I just really am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that that, that is that, that is an answer to it because that's at least one thing. It is that conscious looking at life through the lens mm-hmm. of eternity, and that mm-hmm. is a conscious choice because the, the the thing that's always going to be pulling you at you is to do the exact opposite because life is so immediate. It's always here all the time. Urgent. And it, yeah, everything's urgent and everything's right now. What's going to happen tomorrow? And to discipline yourself, for lack of a better way of putting it, to stand back and say, no, wait a minute. On the true grand scale, what does this really look like and how do I respond to this is a lot different question, mm-hmm. and a lot meatier one too. And, and if you develop that in your mentality, you would at least start that journey of being able to say, for me to live as Christ dies gain, uh, you know, and it's, again, I, I love I love having the conversation because it, it makes me think of different things. But there was a there was a starting point, and you've heard we've all heard the scripture, but you've heard me speak of this before, and it's that um, I'm no longer my own. I've been bought by a price, and and I think for me, when it's many many years ago, and that just became such a foundation, you know, that, that Jesus is my life. And it's not my life. It's not my life. But he's given me an opportunity to really live a full life. 
I think that's been good for me just from a seeing things from an eternal point of view in my life. Excellent. Well, I have a question. <laughs> You're looking at me <laughs> yeah. for that. Well, okay. I just, yeah. just a breaking well, that down a little bit. I don't know. I just, I, I've heard the scripture before and to live is Christ to die is gain. And, um, and I, I always have in my head kind of what I think that means and the way we're talking about it, I think is similar. But if you're just breaking down, like Paul saying, you know, to live as Christ, what does that mean? Like in general, like what does that mean for someone and every day? She's like, asking you. I know. She is looking at me. Looking and, at and what's what's, well, what's funny about that, ironic, is I was asking that question when I was studying that. I was oh. like, okay, well, how do you translate? And I don't I, think I did a very good job of translating that, what that was. I didn't even go to there. But I was thinking when he he uses that language to live is Christ, what exactly does yeah. it mean? You, Mark, you look like you had the answer. So uh, I, there's, only, I, there's limited time on this. I have an answer. An answer. Okay. I don't know that I have Probably the answer. answer. I like so, this. so for I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And so, again, it, I have many different ways to probably just say the same thing, but Christ lives in me. He is literally walking his life out through me in the unique way that he has made me. So to me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. I gain more at that point in time because of the no separation, no presence of uh not being in the presence of sin anymore and being at you know with the Father, so so that's that's how I see that. So what does it mean to to live as Christ? And that's what I mean. He he lives in me and he walks his life out through me. And what a oh, wow, what an opportunity. Hmm. See, there was a better answer than I had anyway. <laughs> that's great. Because secretly I didn't have one. I always I always just thought of it more as like to live as Christ mean that is as I'm here as I'm alive in this context that it's not for me that's for Christ but to die is gain so that would be more of like where I actually get to be fulfilled in that like we're that's kind of the way I've always thought of it and so I'm always thinking you know what are those kind of foundations that if someone's saying well what do I do what do, what do I start doing like you know this week if I if I don't really sure what my foundations are what do you do to kind of start building those. Yeah, that's and and that's a question. Well, and I I would like to ask in my own way, and kind of <laughs> because it's funny. This coming Sunday, I am kind of parking on at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. He says he also says in Luke. But he, uh, uh, he says he says the he who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the man who built his house on a rock. Uh, the winds mm-hmm. came, that sort of thing. He who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, he's like the one who put, uh, built him, uh, built his house in the sand. So he, he makes the distinction is, is action versus just hearing. Mm. And so where does action come in, hearing these words of mine, embracing those things? Uh, and and why do you say Because he says that's the foundation because the temptation is just to think, the crowds were amazed. They were all like, oh, wow, that was awesome. Let's do that again. He was a great speaker. He laughed. He made us laugh. He made us cry. You know, there you go. And then they walk away and just live no different than they ever did. And he said, that's going to make your house crash because you'd be deceived into thinking that hearing the words was. Uh, but when we come to identifying Christ and what Christ is our life, where do our actions come in? And and I guess that was another way of. Uh, asking Sarah's question, like, what, what do I do? What mm-hmm. I, how you do I... you asking me again? Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're the guest. You're the guy yeah, with the yeah. book. Yeah, that's right. That's, yeah, that's exactly. Mar- Mar- yeah. Automatically puts you in an authoritative yeah. position yeah. here. 
Oh, I had a thought or two there. Let's see. I, I, I probably struggle with what do I do? I, I, I do. I, I do. I do struggle with the, the do part. Not because I don't do, but when I start with that, I miss, what the, for me, the most important thing. And the most important thing is it's, it's not so, the most important thing is, is the origin of things. And so if I'm led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit leads me to do the things that Christ has called me to do. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. So, so for me, growing up and compartmentalizing so many things in my life before I came to Christ, I mean, compartmentalize. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I'd be whoever I needed to be wherever I was, and, and I saw work as this thing, and I saw um, church as this thing, and I saw being a husband as this thing, and being a daddy as this thing. And so, so for me, I have to always go back and say, that's not it. For, for me, is I'm his. I live in an abiding relationship with him. You can ask me how to do that. I think I could answer that. I live in an abiding relationship with him. He lives his life out through me, no matter which of those hats I may have on. I, you know, Brad and, and sir, I really don't see my life any different if I'm in an elders meeting or if I'm with my son. I don't see any different if I have a client sitting across the table that's worried about stock markets or whatever at this point in time, <laughs> or um, I'm walking down the street and serendipitously run into somebody. So for me, the, the freedom comes in is that I'm his, he's living his life out through me, and therefore, therefore, as I continue to listen, stay in abiding relationship with him, I will be doing the things that he's called me to do in just my everyday walking around life. Did I answer that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, kind of the idea of like, it's the same wherever you are. Like that if he's living in you, it doesn't matter if you're here or there. It's always, that's what you're living in is him and not in your uh, context of where you are at that time. Yeah. yeah, and it helped me with the, with because uh, a thought I had was, because I'm trying to think of it in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, because it's, you know, it's okay. three chapters and just I'm, I'm, I'm trying to process that as, as you teach through it. But it starts, and I love the word origin, the origin of thoughts, because where he begins with blessed are the, you know, uh, the pure in heart, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Or so at first, yeah, and, and that's an establishment of the identity piece, because um, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness or those who are poor in spirit, you're recognizing, the definition of poor in spirit is recognizing you are, and you don't have anything anyway. So you yeah. start there, and then you give yourself, and the rest of everything where he talks about being a shining city on a hill or forgiving people, or he talks about marriage in that that, that entire sermon, it all those are examples of what proceeds out of all that. Uh, and so the two go together, your identity is first, and then all the actions that he gives that he talks about uh, in that sermon mm -hmm. kind of all come together. Like like you said, he talks, he puts high importance on being secret, if you will, being motivated by the Father only to give yeah. or to pray, or you're mm -hmm. you're not motivated by approval of men. But that's that is the origin is from that broken spirit, right. from that place of. So yeah, he pulled it all together. Whole sermon on the mount. Thank you. Right you there. brought us. Yeah, that's good. I love it. Thank you Man. very much. 
I can't believe we're already kind of at the end oh. of our time. It's so fast. It really? goes by so fast, yeah. You sure? Yeah, Even after you've edited it? Well, let's <laughs> we'll see. After we'll my phone. Five minutes. Cat out of the bag there. No, yeah. she doesn't edit. No, doesn't it's edit all anything. You, you will have to cut that out now, won't you? Right. Um, any, anything else? I don't know. Anything to ask Mark while we have him here? I'm trying to think. What do we want to make sure we, we talk to Mark about while he's hanging out with us today? Well, one thing you said a while ago was uh, you've learned how to identify the lies. And I know you have mentored a lot of people and interacted with a lot of people and led a lot of groups and <laughs> taught classes and done all these things. What are the most common lies you, he- you think people are believing Ooh. that need to be battled and identified and done away with? Well, it, it, when, I, when I think guilt and shame. So guilt, guilt for a believer uh, is when we've done something wrong. It's kind of a duh. Or haven't done something we, we were called to do. That's guilt. Shame uh, is actually uh, a condemnation thing. It's something that, that comes from the enemy. It, come, it, it, will come, it will come from Satan. And, and so when I look at people, the common lies are the, the enemy attacks their identity. It atta- he attacks their being. Whereas a father comes as a father and convicts by the power of the Holy Spirit to say, you know, this is wrong, offers forgiveness, then restoration and sent out. But I, I would have to say it, it is attacks about who they are. That's, that's, that's the number one thing. You'll never measure up. Uh, God will never forgive you for that. Um, and, and all the different voices and mess that, that people have heard over the years. So I, I would say that those are the, the biggest lies. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're by, by far the biggest lies. Uh, yeah. I, I still have a guy who's been a believer for 35 years. I, he, he, is, he still will call me and say, Oh man, I remember something I did. I, I'm so bad. I'm thinking, you know, Christ died before you did that. His death covered that because you believe in Him. Walk on. So it's right. it's, it's amazing. I, I would have to say the condemnation from the enemy, even though there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The other thing is, is I always ask people, especially if they have children, works well in that particular case. Is, you know, if you had a child or if it was your child. Would you speak to them that way? So all those voices and things that people often right. hear are just, no, you wouldn't talk to your own child that way. Why would you listen to the enemy like that? So those are a couple of things that I, I don't know, I guess if that no, that's, that's, that's really it's really good because that comparison of the differences because it, it's, it's getting to a right thing and a father's mm-hmm. love is going to communicate a corrective. I mean, that, that's you know, biblical straight out, you right. know, God will do this, but the nature of the corrective is motivated and you're, you're, you're my son, you're my daughter, and this is, you're in your best interest. And because, because I love you and it hasn't stopped you being my son or daughter, it's just actually enriching, um, who you are and what, and, and what I've called you to be and what you can be. And, uh, and so the opposite of that, if it feels like it's pushing down in a way that um, uh, a, fa- a good father would never do, then it uh, is yeah. an identifiable lie. It's good yeah. stuff. Thank it's you. The, uh, yeah, because when you think about discipline, discipline looks forward. Discipline looks for a better future. Yeah. Uh, whereas punishment looks backwards on something that's actually already paid for. Punishment something that pushes you down. 
There's a good distinction. Write that down. Yeah. That's right. The, the, other, the other thing, um, if we have time for this, yeah. if, if not, um, I, I think the other thing is, Brett, you kept asking, you know, what do you do? Well, without a doubt, studying scripture, that's not just a plug. Right. I mean, that is, you know, you have to read his word is really know his word and to know him. Uh, the Holy Spirit reveals the Father in his word. So, so reading scripture, um, prayer, Fasting, you know, those are things that I believe in prayer is a conversation probably <laughs> needs to be listening a whole lot more than we talk. Uh, he, he knows a lot more than I do, uh, so I need to, to be listening more. Uh, those are things that I've learned to help grow, to learn to be content. And here's, a, I'll, I'll end on this one. This is something when I went on sabbatical last June, took the whole month off, no, no growth group, didn't work, it wasn't, no uh, responsibilities at work, nothing at One Life, wasn't here or anything. It, it was amazing somewhere near the end of that, of just how spiritual I felt. And so within two weeks of getting off a sabbatical, there was one relationship blowing up, another relationship blowing up, this happening and whatever. <laughs> And, and where I'm going with that is, is that community, community allows us to truly learn to press into the Father and to, to, to abide. And, and it reveals a lot of times just where I am, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. I thought I was one place, but, but really the intimacy came through the trials and the relationships and other things that happened in different parts of my community. So, uh, so those are things that you can orchestrate, but you can be in community. That's true. Yeah. And anybody can feel spiritual on a sabbatical. It's up in the mountain somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> then I come out and, uh, and, and, and come down the mountain. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And go stand in line at Walmart. Let's see how <laughs> spiritual you are. That's, exactly. that's kind of how that, that's right. That, that's, that ought to be the test. That's very true. And it shapes and, and molds. Well, terrific. Well, Mark, thank you so much for coming oh, and hanging out with us asking. today. Yeah, this is good. Fun. Yeah, it's fun to hang out and um, appreciate all that you do. And thank you. Thanks for praying for us. I always yeah. appreciate that. Thank you, Sarah. You see that. Thank um, you, Brett. Yeah, and then Brett, I know you've already talked a little bit about this coming week. Uh, yeah, probably more than I should. I was I leaning mean, into that more are, than I was this past Sunday. People yeah. are probably not even going to come now. They just I know the they message. got the they got the summer. Yeah. They got the whole thing. They're so that's excited. Right. That's, right. that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, especially now that I figured it out. Mark answered a question for me. Now I've got it. You might hear that again. Well, cool. We are uh, going to be continuing the build series this week, and again, you guys can find all that um, information or just watch the previous week on OneLifeChurch.org or at on the one life app you can listen or watch there as well and thank you guys so much for joining us thanks for listening to this week's episode of the one life church podcast music by ben brock and micah robertson to find out more about one life church you can visit onelifechurch.org or to contact us directly at the podcast, just email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org.